Hello and welcome to Off Curve. I am Wicked Good and I am talking to you about Hearthstone on my drive home. It is Tuesday, March 27th, 2018. Uh, my week has not been super different than when I talked to you last as far as the ladder is concerned. Um, just kind of bounced around. I, I've been playing a little bit of Legend Ladder and Standard. I don't really super enjoy it. I did stream a little bit on Sunday night. I streamed some Control Priests and it, it was mixed results, uh, which is a lot of just like running up against a lot of weird decks. And you know, when you're, when you're playing a deck like that, especially a control deck to legend, you're, you're very much teching for a meta. And when you start seeing a lot of off meta stuff, you both need to know how to play against it. And you also need to be teched for it you need to have answers to the line of that lineup to what they're trying to do. And, and I don't really have great answers for a lot of weird decks, but, um, you can go watch the VOD from that. And you know, that was from Sunday night and I did beat an OTK Paladin, which I was not expecting to do. I, I went one and one against quest mage that, that should tell you, like there was a recruit warrior. This should tell you the kind of night that I had, right? There was like random, strangle thorn tiger druid I, I i don't know it, it's i think that you know one of the things that happens when you get to legend is that you kind of can't play that deck anymore and you just want to try like anything else because you span so many games with the same deck a lot of the time and things get weird it, it's like you know rank five rank rank five and like dumpster legend I've, I've been describing them as like camelot from uh monty python the holy grail uh it's a silly place <laughs> But I'm not super invested in that. I have been trying to, to ladder and wild. Um, I've been kind of bouncing around. I got up as high as rank one, three stars. I think with that was with Big Priest. I, I've been trying a bunch of different stuff. I've been trying Big Priest. Cream Puff had a list that ran Emperor Thorazon that I was having some success with until suddenly I wasn't. And uh, Breakfast Paladin is kind of the big deck. The, the, it's kind of like an aggressive paladin. And I, I've been trying to tweak Control Priest for Wild with one Void Ripper, because uh, Entomb is a pretty good card, and so is Light Bomb. So I've been trying that. Uh, I, I switched it up a little bit today, went back to it. Uh, I realized I wasn't running Anduin, and I probably should have been. Um, the, the issue with Wild is that you need more answers, and <laughs> there's still only 30 slots in the deck, so it makes it a little bit more challenging. But I think I've got a list I'm pretty happy with, so we'll see. I you know, I would like to, I've never gotten to, to Legend in Wild, but, um, if I don't, I'm okay, right, like, I've already gotten Legend in one format this month, I don't need to do it in both, but it would be nice, um, and, and you know, I'm kind of getting to the point, like, I talk about every time that I get to Legend, where I'm kind of like the dog who caught the car, um, and when you're not going for HCT points, there's not really a ton of motivation to, um, there's not really a ton of motivation to, to grind Legend Ladder, because it's just, you know, once you get to a certain point, like, yeah, you can see how high you can go, but ultimately it's, like, there's not really an end goal there, it's not, there's not, like, anything to conquer, you're just kind of, like, you know, beating your head against the wall, so, and, and I'm not planning on competing in HCT, so it's not, like, super relevant to me to get a high ladder finish, I would like to, but I just, it, it's hard to justify that kind of time once you've already just spent all that time just getting to Legend. But, you know, maybe maybe one day. This month is not the month just because this meta is not super exciting for me. Um, and I, I kind of gritted my teeth and, and 
went through it. Maybe when the med is fresh, I might try a little bit, something a little bit different. I might try that one month, but this is not the month for that. Um, what it is the month for, however, is a announcement. So by the time that, um, that you hear this, uh, it should be, uh, public knowledge that I am going to be casting, uh, season two of United Hearthstone League. So I was, uh, fortunate enough to, uh, be brought in by Bodicus and Ferris Biscuit for the semifinals and the finals. I really enjoyed it. It seemed like they, like everyone else did enjoy it too. And then, um, had a conversation with them. And so that's what I'm going to be doing. And I'm really excited. Uh, it's, you know, playing in tournaments is, again, is not, is not super my cup of tea, but I really, really enjoy casting. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to getting to work with Bodicus some more. Um, I, I think we made a pretty good team when we were casting and I know that there's going to be more casters. There's gonna be actually going to be significantly more casters. So I don't know how often we're going to be, uh, paired up into specific team, it's specific pairs, but, um, I, you know, I've, I, I, I know what the rest of the roster looks like and I'm really excited. I think you will be too. Um, so keep an eye out for that. It looks like that'll probably be starting soon after the expansion is announced. And then I will try, it, it's, it's going to be a little bit up in the air because the, players are going to be the ones scheduling the games and it's going to be whoever is available to cast it is going to cast it. So it's not like there's necessarily going to be a set time. Um, there may be feature matches and stuff like that that's still getting worked out. But So I will try. You'll, you'll have to keep an eye on my Twitter um, and at WickedGood and I will announce when I am going to be casting uh, those games and then you can come watch and have fun. It, it's a lot of fun. It's a really unique format. It's uh, you know, it, it's fun. It, it's in the spirit of fun because there's not like a lot of prize money on it. It's just, you know, bragging rights and whatnot. Uh, but it's really a great community event. And I was really happy to be part of it at the end last season. And I'm really happy to be part of it in this kind of a supporting role, like an on-air talent type of role this, uh, this season. So I'm really excited. Hopefully you are too. And uh, come watch. It'll be a lot of fun. Okay, so what I want to talk about this week, because, you know, it, we're into reveal season, and as a reminder, I do not discuss, after the initial, you know, announcement, I generally try not to discuss individual cards on this podcast, both because I'm going to be doing that at length with Andrew Brown over at the Happy Hearthstone, and I'll have announcements when that's going to be available, um, so I, I, you know, just don't want to repeat myself. And part of it is that, you know, you're probably listening to a whole lot of podcasts and they're probably all talking about the new cards as they are wont to do. Um, and that, you know, being, knowing that I'm going to be going over to the Happy Hearthstone to talk about these at excruciating and unwise length uh, gives me kind of the freedom to, to go into a couple of other things that, you know, might get missed along the way. And the one thing I like to do around this time of year is that we're as, you know, almost to a new set. So we're as far away from the card last card reviews as we're going to be. And I like to look at the spreadsheet because we have a spreadsheet that we track all of our uh, initial reactions and our, our reviews before we record the show. And, and I like to open that up and look at it and uh, see how much of an idiot I was, basically. <laughs> Um, you know, the, the long and the short of it is that this kind of stuff is hard and no, anybody who tells you they know exactly how something's going to turn out is lying to you. And ultimately, like I made a lot of predictions and, and you know, if most of them were on, were spot on and 
there were some where I was just way off. And, you know, it's just like if you lose a game on ladder and you want to look at the replay and see what you could have done better. I like to do the same thing with card reviews. Like, I want to get better at this. And so the only way that I'm going to do that is by looking at the predictions that I used to make and then seeing if I could learn any lessons from lessons from it. So that's what I'm going to do. Um, so I've got a few cards. I, these are not the only ones that I missed on, I assure you. And there are some that I got right that everybody else got wrong. And that's also what I want to talk about because, you know, I need to do my own my horror a little bit, right? Uh, but in any event, I, I want to do that to help get better at this because ultimately, and, and I'm hoping that by my getting better at this, this will also help you um, think about cards a little bit differently and think about, um, you know, think about when you're seeing these cards revealed, be able to kind of get a better way to evaluate them as well. Um, so we'll all get better together and we'll laugh at my very <laughs> ill-considered points along the way. Okay, so I want to start with the Druid cards and, and kind of as a whole because I was in general pretty bad about, um, about evaluating the Druid cards. And in particular, I whiffed really, really hard on Oaken Summons and Ironwood Golem. Um, I, I missed on Branching Paths too, uh, for different reasons, but I, I really, really messed up on Oaken Summons and Ironwood Golem. And, and, you know, I looked at it and, and I think that the, the, the reason that I messed, I missed on these is because I was evaluating them independently and not as a package, right? Because so, you know, in case you're not familiar, because Druid's not exactly tearing up the meta right now, um, Oaken Summons is a four mana spell that gives you six armor and then, um, and then it summons a, it recruits a minion that is, uh, four or less from your deck. And then Oakwood, uh, Iowa Golem is a four mana three, six haunt that cannot attack unless you have three armor. So obviously in retrospect, these two cards go together and, you know, the kind of thing with a recruit deck is that if you build your deck such that you only have the, this, this is the only card that costs, or the only minion that costs less than four in your deck, you're guaranteed to get it. And as each one of those cards is really underwhelming on its own, like if you don't have Malfury and you're not going to be able to get three armor guaranteed, uh, to be able to attack with the Iron Golem. And my, my initial reaction to the card was, well, Saturnite Chain Gang is the same stats just across two bodies. And it, or it's, yeah, it is the same stats across two bodies and it costs the same amount and they can attack. So why would I play this? And the reason you would play this is that Oaken Summons is also a card. And, and again, Oaken Summons is just like, well, why wouldn't I play Feral Rage? Well, the reason you would play this over Feral Rage is because you get slightly less armor, but then you also pull a 3-6 out of your deck. And by the way, that 3-6 now has the ability to attack because you've gotten six armor. So each one of those cards covers the weaknesses of the other. And that's something that's really important to think about because none of these cards, like when we're talking about arena, then you can evaluate the cards in a vacuum and that's kind of the place for it. But when you're talking about constructed, every card that you're evaluating is not only, it doesn't really matter if it's independently powerful, it needs to fit into a deck and it's going to fit into a deck more and more with synergies. Maybe that's going to be a little bit less after rotation because we're going to have slightly fewer cards, but in general, like you're picking a card because it synergizes well with the other cards in your deck. 
And if there are two cards that go together that independently are not good, but together are very powerful because the effect of getting them both together is you get six armor, you get a three six taunt, and you pull a minion out of your deck that you pretty much never want to be top deck. And together, that's really powerful. Um, that's It's also the reason that I missed on Branching Paths, because I looked at Branching Paths, and I'm like, well, Aggro Druid really doesn't want this, because Aggro Druid doesn't even play the, the format of spell that evolves your minions. And this is just giving them one attack or drawing a card, because you're never going to pick armor in Aggro Druid. And, uh, you know, I couldn't see a place for Jade Druid to want it either, because I'm like, well, you have plenty of card draw, you have plenty of armor gain. And part of it is meta-dependent, because Secret Mage became a thing, so just being able to gain a hell of a lot of armor is actually relevant in this meta, and that was one thing that, you know, that's just kind of a matter of being able to predict the meta, and that's even harder to do. So the idea that the amount of armor gain that Jade Druid already had was not enough really didn't occur to me, and also the fact that, again, you're, you need to synergize with the cards in your deck. Well, what's another card that Jade Druid runs very often? Uh, spreading Plague. So what I didn't think about was the interaction between Branching Paths and Spreading Plague, where you spend six mana, and you get a board full of one fives, and then you play Spreading Plague, and all of a sudden those one fives turn into three fives. So it's important to not think about these cards in a vacuum, and think about how they're going to fit into a deck. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to have like a whole theorycrafted deck for it, but just kind of think of the other common cards that you're likely to play in the style of deck that this, this would fit in. And sometimes those are revealed together, sometimes those are already existing in the set, and then see if that overcomes some of the weaknesses that might make it an underwhelming card otherwise. So, a card that I kind of went in the other direction on was Cataclysm. And I actually liked Cataclysm a lot. And again, if you don't remember what Cataclysm was, because it's literally never been played ever, except for like one day, when we tried to make Quest Warlock a thing. Uh, it's a four mana spell, I believe it's four mana, um, that says destroy all minions and discard your hand. And I was thinking, obviously that looks like a bad card. And it, it is worth mentioning, and, and I don't really know where it fits, That it, so I'll just say it here, that sometimes... Cards are printed specific, not so much because you're going to use them in a deck, but because they feed random effects. And what one thing that Cataclysm did that um, didn't really exist since the last rotation was it gave Yogg a discard your hand effect. Um, be, not that not that Yogg is really a big deal, but it used to be that one of the threats of playing Yogg was that Yogg would play Astral Communion, give you ten mana crystals, and discard your hand. Um, this would actually even be worse for playing Yogg, because Yogg would also get destroyed in the process of casting Cataclysm, and would destroy your hand, and discard your hand, and then that would be the end of it. Um, and, and I think that's probably the reason that it exists. But, nevertheless, I thought that maybe there were two scenarios where this could work, and one of them would be um, in a Reno Kazakis-style deck where you need another board clear and you're already playing Twisting Nether that you'd also consider Cataclysm. And also that, you know, in a, in a discard Warlock quest where you need to, where you can discard your entire hand, just go tap, tap 
on four, discard your entire hand, and bravo, you got gotten the quest done. Um, I thought that would be more powerful than it was. Uh, it was tried. It wasn't good. Lakari's sacrifice is just a disaster. <laughs> um, but I think that the other the other trap that I fell into with this card is that I looked at it and it's like, oh, it's a board clear. It's a full board clear. War, Warlock always needs board clears and this comes out earlier. And, and the thing is that, and I think this is particularly relevant today when I'm recording this because Lord Godfrey just got announced in, which is basically to file on a stick. Um, you can give a class, there's, there's kind of like a critical mass where you can't, it, it varies by the type of card, but there's a point where it doesn't really matter how many more of a certain type of card you give a class because it's just not going to get played anymore. Um, I, I think Warlock is absolutely at that point with board clears. Like, once you had the file and you had Twisting Nether, there's not really room for anything else. And, and you see this with Shaman too, because you have Maelstrom Portal, you have lightning storm you have volcano and you 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 can't fit six board clears in a deck at some point you need to do something proactive to actually win the game and not just not lose it so i think that it's it's very tempting to look at a powerful board clear and get overly excited about it like i did with cataclysm clearly but the question is like well what does this do that twisting nether doesn't do and are you going if, if the answer is nothing then what scenario are you going to be in where you're going to run both of them side by side in order for this card to see play? And the answer to that was clearly Justice Card Warlock or, um, you know, Kazakus Warlock and Kazakus Warlock isn't good enough and Discard Warlock isn't good enough. So this card isn't good enough. So that, that's kind of the answer. But I, I think that's something to keep in mind that, you know, it's very tempting. And I think we saw this with Psychic Scream too because Psychic Scream really doesn't even see that much play right now. I, I think it will that will, once rotation goes away, um, takes takes a uh, dragon fire potion away. But it's tempting to look at this like, oh, here's another powerful card for Warlock. Well, it what does it do for Warlock that it couldn't already do? It could already clear the board. Why does it need to clear the board again? How many times are you going to clear the board? So that's just something to think about when you see a powerful card. You can't, again, evaluate it on its own. You need to evaluate it in, in the context of what are the other tools that this class already has and where does this fit if it does kind of the same thing? All right, I'm going to cover Carnivorous Cube and Spiteful Summoner and Grand Archivist all together because I, I missed on all of these. And like Carnivorous Cube, at least I had an idea that it was powerful, but I couldn't figure out what the context was going to be. Um, you know, it, it just seemed too slow. And we've had cards like Moat Lurker that have done similar things that have never really panned out. Um, and I actually said in that review that there was something that, uh, one, you know, someone in the, in the community had said at one point where watch out for effects that seem powerful that are printed on six mana cards that don't see play because when they get moved into a different context, they generally get a lot more powerful. And that was the case with Carnivorous Cube because Moat Lurker was a six mana death rattle that didn't see play. And that, that said to, that's the kind of the... The, the understated six mana minion is kind of the sign from Blizzard that we're really scared about this, but we're going to print it anyway and see what happens. And then once they see that it doesn't wreck the meta, then they can um, they can start putting it in other contexts. Um, and 
so I, I didn't really see the value of it. And, and it, it, to be fair, it really had to fit into a very specific deck. You needed a lot of pieces to come together, and I was not going to be smart enough to figure that out. But that being the case, um, you know, it, it should have been clear to me that had, were you able to cheat it out and, you know, play a cube and then somehow destroy it at the same turn, that would be very powerful. And, and so in that case, Cardniverse Cube is a build-around card, the same way that Spiteful Summoner and Grand Archivist were, because my, my initial reaction to specifically Spiteful Summoner, because I still think Grand Archivist is a bad card, ultimately, and I think that outside of Druid, you really shouldn't be playing it, still. Um, I still don't like it, even in Priest, right now. I don't like the card, but we can have that discussion on a different day. But, you know, Spiteful Summoner, my reaction was, well, this fits into a big spell mage. That was, again, clearly an architect that they were going to be, uh, you know, helping along. And... Well, you can't really play as in a big spell mage because you're, you're still going to have, like, secrets and stuff and you're still going to whiff sometimes. And it didn't occur to me that you could... Again, this is meta-specific because we had enough cards for it. You could build a deck that does not contain spells except for the one that you want to go off. And, and I think that when you look at a card like this that has variants, that whenever you have a card that is looking at the contents of your deck... And this is something that I should learn from all the way back in Reno, and I just don't learn it. But whenever you have a card that is effect that that has variants that's influenced by what's left in your deck, think about how you would build a deck to take advantage of that, because that's where those cards can become powerful. And then it's like, well, is that worth the trade off? I don't know. That's going to be a different discussion. But build arounds are something that I'm I'm pretty bad at recognizing. But anything that uses, that has a random effect, and this was basically the entire set, right, between that and Recruit, um, if you can have a random effect influenced by what's left in your deck, can you build a deck that only contains good results? If so, is that powerful enough to be competitive? In the case of Spiteful Summoner, the answer is absolutely unequivocally yes. Um, in the case of Grand Archivist, not as much, but, you know, that's my own personal bias. Okay, and the last card I'm going to talk about is, really quickly, is uh, Rin the First Disciple, because that was one that I got right when everybody else was getting it wrong, and I, I actually am mad at myself that I hedged more than I should have on that card, because I was pretty much the only one at the time who was saying this could be a good card, and everybody else was laughing at me, <laughs> sometimes literally, and, um, you know, but, and that's fine, right, because I went out on a limb, but I believed in that, and I was, I'm glad that I was right on that one, because, and, and I think that it's just a matter of you know, I don't, I feel like whenever, the one thing that you can do in general, when a card is considered trash, or a card is considered broken, one really quick question that you can ask yourself to try to help yourself evaluate it more objectively, is if it's broken, how could this card not work? Or what would make this card fair? And if it's, if it's trash, what scenarios could it be, could it work in? And in, in the case of Rin, I looked at it and I said, well, if it's a slow meta, you know, especially after we saw Void Lord, particularly, like if you have a slow meta and you can live forever, you know, then, and you have decks that aren't necessarily trying to kill you, but just run you out of resources, this is one way to circumvent that. And I specifically talk about Dead, Man, Dead Man's Hand Warrior, where, which we've seen in several HCT stops. So, 
I think that's really one the one lesson, and, and I, you know, I try to do that as my philosophy. It's like, if it's broken, or if it looks broken, how could this be fair? How, what's going to make this not broken? And if it's trash, what, what scenarios could make this card playable? And I think that doing that will kind of help you keep a slightly more level head around some of these card reviews, because it's very easy to get uh, wrapped up in the hype in, in both directions. Okay, so real quick, I want to get to a couple of listener questions that came in. Um, one of them was from Itamar, who asked, is there a card that you think that people are still sleeping on? Uh, thinking particularly on the rather late entrance of Fungal Mancer and Lately Void Ripper, I wonder if there are others that we might be missing. Um, so I, I think that we're really going to have to revisit everything when the rotation comes. Uh, one card that I think that will, that may still see play as Benevolent Jin, and I think that a lot of the reason that it hasn't is because Control Paladin outside of OTK has really not been a thing. Uh, Benevolent Jin is a 2-4 uh, Paladin minion that heals your face for 3 every turn. I think that if we get back to a, uh, like a, a standard Control Paladin and not something that's just trying to draw through uh, to get the OTK as quickly as possible then um, we may see Benevolent Jim be part of it again. I think it's just the regular, you know, boring old control palette and really hasn't been a thing. And, and I think that one thing that is important is that Fungal Mancer became a, became a viable card only because Bone Mare got nerfed. Like, my review of that card was basically, why would you pay for, uh, you know, plus two, plus two across two bodies with positioning being an issue and not get taunt when you could just play Bone Mare? And the answer is, well, when Bone Mare went to set went from 7 mana to 8 mana, that's when Fungal Mancer got to be a little bit more viable. So it's also worth, you know, keeping in mind that some cards are going to go out and make other cards better because they're not going to be competing for the same space. Um, and then Troy had a question um, about Arena, which is getting a little bit more attention with the new changes. And, um, you know, he said, he says, uh, maybe I'm trying to try to rely too much on getting the right cards, but I end up getting burned in the draft. Uh, in my last arena, I had arena run, I had Warlock. I was offered the give your demons plus two, plus two, and plus three, plus three cards and Skull, but then I was only able to pick a couple of demons, one being a Void Lord. Um, that's been sort of typical, so my question is, when you're offered cards that are situational like that, how do you weigh whether or not to pick them? So, I think that this is a really good question around arena drafting. It's more important now with the new arena system. Um, one story that I used to tell on, on Happy Hearthstone a lot is my wife, um, Maureen, helps me draft a lot of the time. It's something we do together. And there was one draft where she, where we were offered Anything Can Happen, which is the 10 mana spell that resummons all your dead Murlocs as the first pick. And I didn't want to pick it, and she convinced me to. She's like, we're going to get Murlocs, we're going to get Murlocs. And I think we got like one Bluegill Warrior or something like that through the course of the draft. So, 10 mana, summon a 2-1 charge. Yay. Um, I, I think that generally what you want to be doing is you want to be looking for synergies. And, and it, this used to be easier when you knew what the offering rates were, and we really don't now, which is why well, that's something that's important. And hopefully we'll get a little bit more clarity on like how often you're going to be offered certain types of cards. Um, but in general, I think what you want to do is for the first like 10 picks or so, you really want to stay away from synergies. And then after that, like look at the cards you already have in your deck and say, you know, ask yourself two questions, basically. One of them is, how good is this card if I never get the synergy to go off? So, like, you know, the 5-4 the who gives all your demons plus one, plus one, 
like, he's a 5-4 for 4. He's fine. Same thing with Gentle Megasaur. If you have to play a 5-4 for 4, you're fine. Those are decent stats. If you're playing, um, you know, the the uh, the Murloc that buffs all the other Murlocs' health, that's a 2-3 for 3, that's not as great because, like, you're paying overpaying for a a 2-3 minion and you're not likely to get the, the stats to go off. So that's one. The other is... Um, do I have enough cards to make the synergy work regardless? And that's basically a matter of what you already have in your deck. I don't like drafting a situational or a synergistic card based on the hope that I'm going to get something in my future picks, but I do, I'm, I am okay with saying like, I'll take another Spite Historian if I've got one dragon because I can just hold it forever and it's not the end of the world or, you know, a Servant of Calamos. Like as long as I have like something activated, and it's sort of a Calamos isn't even the worst thing in the world. And then if you get a couple more, if you have a couple, then you're good, right? Like, so it's really just a matter of looking at what you have in your deck. And then if once you've done that, make a mental note that you need to weigh the other cards that are of that type higher when you're value, when you're when you're deciding which ones to draft, because you're going to have that synergy in your deck. But don't overvalue them either. Like, you know, you you can overdo this too. Um, but, you know, give it, like, an extra, like, point or something like that in your head if it fulfills that requirement. Um, but, yeah, I, I would say don't go all in, and, and but, you know, try to see that the cards that you're taking, what happens if you have to play them without the synergy? Are they okay? And that, that generally will guide you pretty well. Like, Skull of Minari, I'd never take that in Arena unless, like, I've gotten, like, every pick up to them was demons because I would just never expect I would get any value in playing, spending five mana for a zero three weapon that doesn't do anything, that, that's terrible, but, you know, the demon, the, the, the plus one, plus one to demons, dude, he would be fine, so just use that as a guide, you should be okay. All right, so, uh, that's it for this week, um, we're gonna have a lot more cards, and then I would expect that you will probably be hearing, uh, me review them probably two weeks, I would imagine, um, because it looks like April 12th is gonna be the, the date, so you'll probably hear something from me about that Happy Hearthstone episode somewhere in the middle of that week. But, you know, we will see. But you can, of course, find all the links to everything at offcurve.com. Um, you can uh, follow the show's account. If you just want announcements, and I'll, I'll be sure to post something about um, about the Happy Hearthstone episodes as well um, at, off, at offcurve on Twitter. You, of course, can just follow me on Twitter. I'm at WickedGood. Um, that is probably going to be your best place for hot takes on the cards for the next couple weeks because I will be posting some like raw reactions to Twitter they may not be the most nuanced in the world um they may not <laughs> but you you'll at least get an idea um so you can follow me on Twitter at Wicked Good you can also follow me on Twitch uh Wicked Good FM on Twitch I did stream again uh Sunday nights so you can go watch the VOD from that and I'm hoping to get back into the a regular groove on Sunday nights but you know again schedules are schedules are hard right so we'll, we'll see but I'm, I'm i'm trying i'm really trying and uh of course you'll be able to see me casting uh some of the games from united hearthstone league so you can check them out at unitedheartstoneleague.com um and uh you know if you have the time and the inclination you can send me leave me a um a five-star review on itunes i would very much appreciate that like again i don't have a patreon of my own i don't make any money off of this but the one way that you can continue to support the show is by either, you know, telling a friend about it, uh, is, is always good, you know, and, you know, leaving a review on iTunes helps other people find it. And, 
you know, again, I, I say I say this every week, um, and, and I'm so appreciative of everyone who's who's gone to do this because it really is like the the fuel that keeps you going when. Um, you know, this is, this is work to do every week to, to prep this and, and record it, even if I'm doing it while I'm driving home. Um, and, and, you know, it does, it really does help a lot to, um, you know, to hear people say nice things about you and, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it, it helps you keep going sometimes when it's a little bit harder. So, um, I, I appreciate that a lot. And if you can take the time to do it, it doesn't take very long. You don't have to write a novel or anything. Um, but it does help and, and it helps with placement on stuff when people search for Hearthstone podcasts. So. Anyway, um, that is it. Enjoy a reveal season. I will be back with you at some point next week. And we will probably, unless something major happens, I'm planning to, and I may be writing something up for the website as well, um, talk about the decks that are go in the meta right now, how they're going to be affected by the rotation, and um, you know if there are going to be any viable alternatives to, to come in, just to give you an idea of like, what the meta might look like after rotation. Again, nobody really knows, and new decks are gonna are gonna affect things. But at least we can get an idea of like what the what the, what's proven that we're going to uh, continue having going forward. So um, that should be an interesting discussion. Look forward to that. And uh, thank you as always for listening. I really do appreciate it. It it you know it, it always kind of blows me away when I look at the numbers and I, I see how many people are listening and how many people are taking the time to just kind of listen to me rambling incoherently as I'm driving home from work. So uh, I really appreciate it. And, and thank you for, you know, giving me the time, giving me the half hour every week. Um, I know you have a lot of choices of what you can listen to, and I'm, I'm glad you came to hang out with me. Anyway, uh, that's a lot of sappiness, but I will uh, talk to you all next week. Have a great week, and I will talk to you soon.